you, Renee. Now, if you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. If you're new to Manoa Community Church, we have been going verse by verse through the book of Acts for over a year now in a series called Life on Mission. And as Renee just read from the gospel, according to Mark, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus and said that he would baptize with water, but one who was going to come to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. We see that occur in Acts chapter 2 in these baptisms of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. And Jesus said that the function of this baptism is that we would be his witnesses, that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And so today we have a message called Darkness and Daybreak, where the first missionary journey of Barnabas and Saul, where they are sent off to an island in Cyprus. And we see that these spirit-filled apostles now are going as witnesses for Jesus Christ, beginning this first missionary journey to the very ends of the earth. And I'm calling it darkness and daybreak because we're going to see some darkness fall upon one of the false prophets, just like John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to make it straight. There's a false prophet that Paul encounters that seeks to make that way crooked, and darkness falls upon him. And so as we look at this, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 12 together. I'm going to read them in their entirety, pray for us, and then unpack this message, darkness and daybreak. So please follow along, beginning in verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, this is Paul and Barnabas, as, as well as Mark, by the way, who sent out with them. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John, that's John Mark, to assist them. While they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Barjesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now... Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Darkness and daybreak. Let's pray. Well, Father, we are astonished at your teaching. We are astonished at your word. We are astonished at your great dealings with humanity throughout history, leading to this point and leading to our own daybreak, our own salvation. And God, as we look once again at your holy word this morning, we pray that your word would change us. Lord, that your word would open our hearts and our eyes. If there are any here today that are lost, walking in darkness, we pray that your day would break upon them through the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And, if we, and I pray too, if there are any here today opposing your word, that you would turn them around and turn them to Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to walk in your ways. Help us to live life on mission. Help us to be filled with your spirit so that we would proclaim your word boldly and loudly and clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Barnabas and Saul and Mark, by the way, we learn about Mark in this passage. Mark, who, by the way, John Mark is cousins of Barnabas, and he's believed to be the very same Mark who penned the gospel, according to Mark, which was just read. And so we have him silently entering into the scene, but the prominence is on Barnabas and Paul, and they are at Antioch, leaving the church in Antioch and traveling about 15 miles to the port where they can catch a boat and cross it over to this island called Cyprus. And so that you see here in the text in verse 4, they pick up this boat down in Seleucia, which is about 15 miles from Antioch, this great metropolitan city, not unlike New York City back in the ancient world. And from that port there at Seleucia, 130 miles off sea, you could see an island. Its name, as we saw in the passage today, is Cyprus. And it was just ever so small in the horizon. If you're standing at the pier over all of the, the great sea and over the waters, you could see this island. And within potentially one, two days max, by hopping a boat, you could be there on the island of Cy Cyprus. Now, this island is not much larger. It's a little bit smaller than the big island in Hawaii for any of you who've gone to Hawaii before. If not, check out pictures of that. It's about three-fifths the size of Connecticut. And here we learn actually that they had gone through the whole island, verse 6. You might miss that as you're reading through this passage, but they're going through a preaching tour of the island. And so they land on the east coast and they make their way all the way to the west coast over to Paphos, which is uh, about 90 miles to the west, to the provincial capital, which is the base of the ruler there from Rome. And so we're going to see their interaction both in the synagogues on the east coast, which is where they begin, all the way to the provincial capital on the west coast. This entire preaching tour is summarized in just a few short verses, and then we move on. Luke is selective in his retelling of history purposefully because he wants to draw our attention to God's dealings in particular places at particular times. But no doubt they are preaching at dozens of synagogues lightly. Uh, Romans teaches that we go first to the Jew. There is an imperative to reach the gospel to the Jewish people first, and then ultimately, as we'll see in the text as well, to the Gentile. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on an island before. My wife and I honeymooned on one of the Hawaiian islands, and I remember going and seeing the sunset on the west coast. We went to a beach there and waited for the sun to set and darkness to hit the land. And yet, in a matter of minutes, you can be on the east coast and watch the sun rise the next day. And I've entitled today's message, Darkness and Daybreak, because on this island, we see both a sunrise and a sunset of sorts. We see darkness befall one of the characters, one of the villains, if you will. And then we see daybreak upon this conversion of this very elite Roman ruler. And so darkness and daybreak forms the theme of today's sermon. We're going to see three different ways darkness and daybreak Day breaks upon this island and upon these people. So if you're taking notes, darkness falls and day breaks through, firstly, intellectual seekers. 
Darkness falls and day breaks through intellectual seekers. This is exemplified through Sergius Paulus, who we saw in verse 7 and verse 12. Look again at verse 7. It says here that he was the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. And listen to this. It says, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. And later in verse 12, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord, and he believed. The proconsul believed. I call this intellectual seekers because we're told he's an intelligent man. He's a man of intelligence. And also, he is a seeker. He has sought them. You see that? He summoned them. He summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, we're not very familiar with the language of proconsuls, but basically back there, again, it's a Roman empire, and you had different leaders over different areas. They were like governors of sorts. And if you were a proconsul, not to get too deep into the weeds, but basically some of the more challenging areas came directly under the dictator. They came directly under Caesar, and those people reported to him. Some of the more safe areas in the Roman Empire came under the Senate. And so this guy, a proconsul, reported to the Senate. They placed him as the governor of the entire island. Don't let that miss you. They are preaching through the entire island. They've done a preaching tour from the East Coast to the West Coast, primarily beginning in all of the synagogues. Because remember, if you heard from last week, this is the island that Barnabas is from. This is his home region. So they're working through the synagogues, but also out in the streets, preaching openly in all the areas that they go. And the very governor of the entire island is seeking them. He's inviting them into his presence. He wants to hear the word of God for himself. He wants to hear the good news of Jesus for himself. He wants to hear the teaching of the Lord for himself. And so he invites them directly into his presence in front of his whole court council of leaders, including, as we'll see, a villain in a moment. But this guy is not opposed to the word of the Lord. He's not resisting the word of the Lord. He's not closed off. He doesn't have a closed mind to the things of Jesus. He's wide open. And certainly we all agree that we are sinners and fall short of the glory of God and that sin affects us totally, our thoughts, our minds, our wills. But sometimes we can think, therefore, people aren't interested. They're not interested in hearing. They don't want to listen to me. I'm not going to talk to them, especially if they're important, especially if they're powerful, especially if they have influence, right? We shouldn't prejudge people because here we see on the very first missionary journey that great success is given as they're preaching broadly that the governor of the entire island summons them. He seeks them. He wants to hear God's word for himself. And again, he's... Paul preaches to this man. Paul's an intelligent man. This is an intelligent person. It's a very selective retelling. And Luke, inspired by the Spirit, one of the few things we know about the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, he's a man of intelligence. This is a smart dude. He's not a dummy as he hears what they have to say. Reminds me when Jesus said that how we're to love God and the greatest command. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, right? And your strength. And a lot of people have the misconception that to become a believer in Jesus, you have to leave your brain at the door, like you have to turn off your mind. That's not the case. 
Intelligent people throughout the ages have believed in Jesus. The greatest institutions, even in our own country, were largely started by churches, hospitals. Most of the higher education, the institutions of higher learning were started by believers, by Christians, by churches. Intelligence. Intelligence is something God calls us to love us, love him with our minds. And here we see somebody who's seeking the truth. He's seeking God because God is first seeking him. And he's intelligent. And we'll see he comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't do violence to his mind. It doesn't do violence to his intelligence to receive the word of the Lord. We see here in verse 12, the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, we'll backpedal to that on verse 2, where he sees the miracle, the blindness. But it wasn't ultimately the miracle that we're told that caused him to believe. He saw that, and that certainly helped him. But look at this. He says, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Manifestations of power are awesome. I long for them. But it was not the manifestation of power that astonished him the most. One Bible translation says this word astonished. He was shaken to the core. He was deeply impressed by the teaching of the Lord that the word of God that came to him, he invited them to hear the word of God. He was shaken to the core. He was astonished by the gospel, by the teaching of the Lord, by what he heard, which is why we proclaim the word of God. Day breaks upon this man who was trapped in darkness. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, Paul tells us to consider your calling. It's on the screen, brothers. For not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. And as I read that and as I meditate upon this, I am so grateful to God for the M in front of the word Many. Because God doesn't pass over. I thank God that he saves the poor and the poor in spirit. And I thank God that he saves those with childlike faith. But God does not pass over the wise, powerful, and those of noble birth altogether. Here is a man who is wise. Here is a man who is powerful. Here is a man of noble birth. And the gospel called him nonetheless. God calls everybody. He calls the weak and the strong. He calls the wise and the foolish. Not many were wise, powerful, and noble, but some were, including Sergius Paulus, who was one of the first Gentiles that we see Paul explicitly lead to Jesus Christ. And ultimately, this island has a bit of a revival, and Christianity takes root in this island, which continues to this very day. Darkness falls and day breaks through. Firstly, a daybreak upon intellectual seekers as modeled through Sergius Paulus. Secondly, darkness falls and day breaks through spiritual counterfeits. If you're taking notes, the second point is spiritual counterfeits. And this is exemplified by Bar-Jesus. He is at the side of Sergius Paulus after they do this preaching tour. He's described as a Jewish false prophet. Interesting description after they're going to the Jewish synagogues. So here is a person who claims Judaism as his basis of orientation in his religion, and yet he's also a magician. He's a sorcerer, which is forbidden in Scripture and in the Old Testament. 
Unless we judge him, there are many people in the name of Christ who integrate all sorts of things that are forbidden in Scripture even today. So somehow he has mishmashed a spirituality that is a hodgepodge of Judaism and mysticism or some kind of spiritualism. And his name itself here we're seeing his name is Bar-Jesus, which Bar is son of, son of Jesus, which is also odd in its spiritual counterfeit because we follow Jesus, right? Here's the son of Jesus. The angel said his name shall be Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. So he's the son of salvation. That's what his name means. And here he is leading this man away from salvation. He's literally like a court magician. He's one of these guys at his right-hand side. I kind of think of the movie Aladdin with Jafar, like right off to the side with this sort of serpent staff of sorts, like, don't listen to these guys, all right? And he's, he's trying to lead him away from Christ. And Paul and Barnabas see this. Whether he's loudly doing it or quietly whispering, we are not fully sure But Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit and looks intently at him. He sees this guy and he calls him out for who he really is. And keep in mind, Elymas is probably, that's his other name, this magician, full of mixed motives at this time. Probably if his Jewish roots here, he's probably feeling threatened in the Jewish side of him. In the synagogues, we see there's some who like this message, some who oppose it. But also... His livelihood could be on the line. This guy turns to Jesus. He doesn't need his bar Jesus anymore, right? He might be dismissed from his position. So and you'll see this throughout the book of Acts. Sometimes it's spiritual beliefs that people oppose Christ. Sometimes it's financial gain. There's going to be riots in the future because people like to make idols and shrines and stuff. And all of a sudden they won't worship idols anymore and they're going to be out of a job. And so in this mixture, this guy is all mixed up in his soul. But one thing is clear. He is trying to pervert the way of the Lord. And so Paul calls him out filled with the Holy Spirit. You see this here where he says, you son of the devil. Apparently, Paul has not read the latter book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. (laughs) You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Doesn't pull any punches here. He's called a false prophet by Luke earlier, inspired by the Spirit, and Paul calls him the son of the devil. And this man probably, not unlike the magicians of Egypt, had some influence, had some power. Some of these dark powers actually are legitimate in Scripture. And yet they're from the source of darkness, the source of the devil himself, the enemy of all righteousness. And one of the ways that you can tell a false prophet from a true prophet is whether they lead you to the Lord or from the Lord. Because earlier in our public reading of scripture, remember John the Baptist came. He was one of the great prophets, one of the last prophets with a capital P, if you will. One of the ones that truly was leading from the old covenant to the new, but there's still the gift of prophecy. But this idea that he comes here and he is called a false prophet. Why? John the Baptist was a true prophet because he made straight the way of the Lord. Do you remember that? 
He was the one prophesied by Isaiah to make the path to the Lord straight. Well, the exact counter opposite here of the false prophet is he is making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. The path to the Lord is straight. It's clear. It's in God's word. The straight path to the Lord is through Jesus Christ. It has been made so plain as day. The door is broad right there. It's it's open. Obviously, the path to destruction is broad, but the path to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, he is the way. He is the door. You go straight to God through Jesus Christ. But there are spiritual counterfeits exemplified by this other man right here, but also in our own day who want to make it crooked, who want to take you off course. There are promises of spiritual power. There's a spiritualism in America that's very popular that doesn't lead to or through Jesus at all. And darkness falls upon this man because of his false teaching and false beliefs. Paul pronounces a curse upon him. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun. I love this though. For a time. For a time. Mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. And I'm grateful that it says for a time at the end. Because it appears that this curse is not meant to be an ultimate judgment upon Elemas, bar Jesus. It seems to be a temporary mist, a temporary darkness to snap him out of his false beliefs and teaching. What I mean is this, darkness, ultimate darkness, outer darkness is a final curse upon humanity, this casting out and full blindness. But he says, this mist will come upon you, this darkness will come upon you for a time. Implied, there will be a time where he will see again. And he is literally led around looking for people to lead him by the hand. And it's quite a picture of sorts because here's a guy who prides himself as being a spiritual guide to others, being the one that grabs you by the hand, being the one that takes the proconsul by the hand and says, let me show you the way, the truth, and the life. All of a sudden, he is blinded, guided around for a time until his eyes are reopened. And I think Paul can have a lot of compassion even as he pronounces this judgment upon this man because if you recall, the same curse fell upon him for a time. He was blinded when he thought he saw the light. And Jesus brought darkness upon him. But that darkness wasn't an ultimate darkness, an outer darkness, an everlasting darkness. That was a temporary darkness so that his eyes would be opened, so that day would break upon Paul. I believe day would break upon Bar-Jesus, that the son of Jesus one day truly would be the son of Jesus. When we sing it often, it was saying even at our last inauguration for our newest president, amazing grace. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. It's also amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. In this spiritual counterfeit, we see a curse fall upon him it not only leads the intellectual seeker to Jesus Christ, but it appears that for a time, this man eventually has his eyes opened. And I hope, I hope we don't have it recorded in scripture, but I would hope when his eyesight comes back, he is seeing much more clearly 
and pointing people to the straight path of the Lord. So we see darkness fall upon the spiritual counterfeit. We see daybreak upon this intellectual seeker. Thirdly and finally, we see darkness fall and daybreak through versatile evangelists. Versatile evangelists. And I use the word versatile here or flexible here. I was wrestling for a term, but we see the power of the gospel go through this threefold ministry team and they're not a one-trick wonder. They're not, they don't have one, one approach up their sleeve. They don't have one track in their pocket that they just hand out to every person equally the same. They don't have a, just a two-question test, and everybody gets the same kind of stick each time, right? Now, I love evangelism techniques. I love teaching people how to share their faith. But you look at these guys, and it really is incredible. I mean, at one moment, they are in the synagogues. The next moment, they are traveling 90 miles to the west on a preaching tour. They are preaching to Jewish people. They are preaching to Gentile people. They are teaching probably to poor people. They are teaching to the most prominent and rich people. They are teaching to crowds. They are teaching to individuals. They are spreading the gospel anywhere and everywhere. And here we're actually told that Paul, you see that in verse 9, who was also called Paul, so Saul, forgive me, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently upon him, and proclaimed this word over this man. And you say, well, why is he called Saul in one second and Paul in the next? Up to this point, if you're following in Acts, he's always called Saul, Saul, Saul. After this point, he's only called Paul, Paul, Paul. Because Saul is his Hebrew name. Saul is his Jewish name. Saul is the name that he would have used in the synagogues. Saul was one of the first kings of Israel, if you remember. Paul is his Latin name. Paul is his Roman name. Paul is his name. If he wants to go into Sergius Paulus' presence, he's going to say, who is this guy? I'm Paul, right? Because right there he is going in and he's contextualizing who he is. He was so adept at being able to flow into the different contexts because he was a, a Roman citizen, but he had Hebrew upbringing in Jerusalem. And part of being missionaries, brothers and sisters in our world today, just like Paul and Saul, is to know our audience, to be adaptive, to be flexible. We often think about what we're most comfortable with when we go into any setting I want to challenge you with that. I want you to think about what the person you're speaking to is most comfortable with, where they're coming from, and being able to bring the gospel in different ways to different people. Because we're going to see that throughout the book of Acts, but it starts right here where all of a sudden we see a switch from the synagogues into the courts of the Roman officials. And Saul, who's also called Paul, now takes on this identity of Paul as he works through the entire Roman Empire. Paul is on the move. We don't hear the name of Saul anymore, though I'm sure he was adept at using it when he went back to Jerusalem and some of his Jewish contexts here. But here were men who were flexible. They were versatile. They were spirit-led, as we saw. They were sent out by the Spirit. As he looks intently, he is filled with the Spirit. Here are people who can adapt on this island and wherever they go to whoever God sends them to. And to be spirit-led evangelists is to be versatile evangelists, to be flexible evangelists, to be those who know whom we're speaking to. As Paul said and exhorts us inspired by the Spirit, he became all things to 
all men so that by any means possible, he might save some. He never compromised his message. He never changed the gospel. He preached Jesus faithfully, but he preached it in a way that made sense to his listeners. And so we see in Paul and Barnabas and Mark, versatile evangelists. And on their lips, they brought the same message. It was a message of darkness and a message of daybreak. It was a message that didn't change or fluctuate because the gospel is both a message of bad news and good news. Bad news to those who are perishing, good news to those who are being saved. And before people get saved, darkness often has to befall them for a time because they didn't know that they were sinners. That We don't see our sin and the gospel exposes our sin so that it can forgive our sin. Darkness falls and day breaks through versatile evangelists. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, that is to put salve on wounds. Sometimes that is to inflict so that people come to Christ for salvation. But either way, the ultimate hope is that daybreak would upon them. The Lord Jesus Christ, as he went to the cross, darkness fell across the land for a time. But on Sunday morning, early that dawn, daybreak came through. And that becomes a metaphor, brothers and sisters, for everyone who comes to Jesus Christ, that we, we pick up our cross, we die, darkness falls upon our lives, but day breaks when the Spirit comes into our lives. God gives us life and our resurrection life, that he raises us with Jesus Christ spiritually so that day breaks upon our souls, and that daybreak will last forever and ever and ever in the city where there will be no more sun because God himself will be our light and darkness will be no more. There is an eternal darkness that awaits all those who reject the sun, all those who go down the crooked path. But there is a straight path of the Lord available to you and to me to proclaim to others. And if you're watching this and if you've not received Christ, daybreak can come to you today through Jesus Christ because he tasted darkness on the cross so that his light might shine into your life. So here on this ancient island, we see darkness fall and day break upon us through intellectual seekers, spiritual counterfeits, and versatile evangelism. Let's pray. Well, if you're listening to this message and you realize that you've bought into false spirituality, maybe it's a mixture of Christianity hodgepodge with other things, that make the path crooked or lead you to other paths besides Jesus. Maybe others have influenced you away from the Lord and you're realizing it for the first time. Maybe you're an intellectual seeker and you're watching this. Maybe you're not ready just yet to receive Christ. I encourage you to keep seeking. But if you are ready today, here's the reality. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. He came into this world to rescue you. And if you would see the darkness of your soul and see the light of Christ, if you would turn from that darkness to Christ, he would save you, he would forgive you, and he'll give you the gift of everlasting life. Like this proconsul, all it takes is faith to believe in the Lord Jesus, to believe in his teaching, to receive his word. So do that right now through faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe. 
I believe in you. I believe in your teaching. I believe in your word. Come into my life by your spirit. Save me and forgive me. In Jesus' name. And for the church, God, I pray. I pray that we would be spirit-filled like Barnabas, Saul, and Mark. And that we would learn like Saul to take on the name Paul when it's appropriate in the context that we go into. And I pray, God, that as we go into the world that you're sending us to, that we would be commissioned with light in our lips. Lord, as we speak truth over men and women, as they seek you, that you would be the God that seeks them. And you would open their eyes. So God, fill us, use us to be agents of darkness and daybreak, I pray in Jesus' name.